If you're a dog owner, safety and welfare for your pet are of the utmost concern. But there are so many so-called experts out there that many of us don't know where to turn to get the expert advice that we need. Welcome to Taming the Wild in Your Dog with noted dog expert and author Brian Bailey. In this program, we give you the tips you need to connect with your best friend with the most practical advice. Now, here's your host, Brian Bailey. Welcome, everyone, to Taming the Wild in Your Dog. It is Wednesday, January the 22nd, and I hope that you're having a great day wherever you are. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about aging. If you live long enough, it's coming. Old man time does not wait for any man, and apparently doesn't wait for dogs either. You know, we have a couple of dogs. We always mention them on the show. We have two Morkies named Dave and Poe. And Dave, he's got a little silver on the beard now. He's gotten a little bit older, and I was looking at him the other day, and I thought, okay, what is he, eight and a half years? Multiply that times seven. Took me a little while to get that math done. You know, I had to use all my fingers and toes and more than a few times. But I figured out from a biological standpoint, we're about the same age. But everybody thinks they're still puppies. They do. They look at them, run around, think they're puppies, and they think the same with me, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just a puppy. Well, <laughs> uh, that being said, though, we want to talk this week because there are some serious things that occur with age. And even though it's natural, you know, when you're young, you're thinking, man, I'm going to live to be 100. And then as soon as you get about three quarters away there, you're thinking, now this is good. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to get to all the way to 100. I, I've seen there, been there. I'm satisfied. That's time to check out and see what's on the other side. Um, but there's a, a lot of things that come with old age. It just does, whether you like it or not. Now, some people can push back the hands of time, can stave it off for a little while longer, and they can go out a whole lot brighter, a whole lot more energetic, or a little bit more gusto than the other fella can. And a lot of that depends upon genetics, depends upon your diet, depends upon your lifestyle. Many factors are involved. Do you feed your brain? Well, apparently the same thing occurs with dogs. It does depend upon genetics. It does depend on if they're a large dog, if they're a small dog. Typically, small dogs will live almost a good five years more than your average large dog. And when I say large, we're talking not obese, even though that will kill your dog. And we'll get to that. And let me tell you, you're going to kill them with kindness. So watch out for those treats. But also older dogs, simply because their body mass is not able to be handled by their smaller organs. There you go, mankind. Thank you very little. Uh, We did that to them. But that being said, your Great Danes and your Mastiffs and your Newfoundlands and so on and so forth, typically uh, there are exceptions always to the rule, simply just do not live as long as Morkies, Yorkies, you know, chihuahuas, you're much smaller dogs. I mean, that, that applies to humans as well. I mean, even larger humans don't have the life expectancy as the more smaller petite humans. I mean, that that's just kind of universal, I think. Is that kind of like reading someone's palm? So you can, you can tell by my size how long I'm going to be around? Okay, I don't want to know the answer. Sometimes knowledge is not power. It's just pure evil. Okay, so let's get down to it here. What can we do? Because our dogs will age if they live long enough, if they're lucky enough, uh, you will age as well. What can we do? And and what I'm going to put out here really does pertain to all of us. We are mammals and we do have aging brains and a lot of things happen when those things age and age in a way uh, if you not paid attention to the factors that we're going to go over, it can lead to 
cognitive dysfunction, it really can. Hence, you hear people all the time. They get older. They say, man, I, I always forget about everything. I have to have 50 million post-it notes. That's the absolute truth. Uh, I know I have to make more of an effort to remember some things. I have to-do list all over the place. And then I have a post note to remind me about the to-do list. And then I have another post note to remind me about that post note. And the list goes on and on and on. Uh, it happens. You start getting uh, arthritis. Your joints hurt. You're more sensitive to temperature changes. Your, your senses in general don't work as well. Uh, I'm wearing glasses. Uh, if this radio show had been live uh, just a mere 15 years ago, there would be no glasses that I'm wearing but I have to wear them just to be able to see my notes for the show. Well, what happens to dogs? Do they wear glasses? I don't ever see dogs walking around with glasses or contact lens on. So therefore they just have to deal with the visual impairment, but they do compensate for it. And that is something we're going to talk about towards the end of this segment on aging. Wow. There's a huge, huge compensation that occurs in both humans and animals. You just got to make it happen. Since it's not going to happen on its own. All right, so what happens with dogs? First things first, there's a natural increase in anxiety in all dogs that age. So probably right now you're wondering, what's an old dog? Right, yeah. Yeah, what is an old dog? Okay, so according to studies that have been performed on this, controlled studies, they say a large dog, and they, when they say large dog, they mean breed specific, not a dog, again, weight-wise, just breed-wise. Your larger breeds, typically old age sets in at about eight years. For small dogs, typically the smaller breeds I mentioned previously, it doesn't set in for them till over 13 years. The rats are still young. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. indeed. Uh, so that being said, um, now we've defined what is old age and what is not. Now, again, those of you who are watching or listening, you're probably thinking, well, my dog's not old. It doesn't act old. Yay. Uh, in fact, there's wisdom behind that. Act how you feel and act as though and live as though you did not know what your age was. That's really healthy advice. But for dogs, I don't know if they sit around contemplating going, huh, wow, so I'm eight times seven compared to that furless biped over there. Wow, what am I? I don't think that they do, but I do know this. There is a marked intick, uh, uptick in anxiety with older dogs. It is. That's a scientific fact. And one of the things that we contribute that to is their natural inheritance from wolves. Out in the wild, when you turn eight, there's a great likelihood that you will be displaced from your own pack. You'll leave. Mom and dad leave. If you make a date. If you make a date. Absolutely. Yeah. With parasites and all the other things that can go wrong for a wolf in the wild, if they even make a date. But by the time they reach that point, up until then, their older daughters and uh, sons, uh, they grow to a point where they're opponents to them. And therefore, at about two years of age to maximum of three years, most wolves leave on their own or they're sent packing. At some point, they send mom and dad packing. They're the ones that get kicked to the curb. And there's a natural vulnerability that comes with that because without your pack, most of these wolves die within the first year of leaving a pack. Y you can hear echoes of this with humans who retire. They think, wow, the golden years, I can't wait to retire. Problem is, as soon as you retire, you lose social support. All those coworkers you worked with, all the people that you, all the work that you did every single day where you had to use your brain, 
all these things go away. And next thing you know, your kids live out in California, you live in New York, you're missing so many things that help support you in those later years. Well, it's no different than a wolf. They've lost their pack. And literally that's their lifeblood. That is the reason why they live is for that. Um, so our dogs, even though they don't have packs per se, uh, in that sense, they still become vulnerable. And they also are aware of the fact that things are changing. They just do. They don't remember as well. They become afflicted with joint issues. Their digestive system starts to fail them. Their teeth hurt. Their gums hurt. All sorts of things. And with all of those comes a rise in vulnerability and anxiety. And when that happens, you mobilize the stress response. And here we go again. Now we're going to, enough of that will lead to brain dysfunction. Um, just so for example, senses that are impaired. Did you know that one of the senses that is impaired the most is, and I did not know this. This is a recent finding, the sense of smell. Wow. I would think it would be the eyes or the hearing, but that sense of smell. And when that happens, it causes them to lose information. There's loss of information. When their eyes start to fail, their hearing starts to fail, then, of course, they compensate, just like we do. We compensate. Even our, the structure of our brain will change. It will compensate for that impairment. Well, their nose, their sense of smell is what they depend upon. Hey, wow, it's always been great. I'll lean on that. That'll, that I may not recognize the house in which I live, but I can smell it. I can smell my yard. I can smell where I've gone. Um, and maybe I don't recognize you at a distance, Brian. I'm going to growl at you and bark at you when you come in the house. But as soon as you get close, I can smell you. And where's my bed? Has anyone seen my bed lately? Did, did anyone move my bed when they were cleaning the house? They can smell where their bed is. These are just little examples. Now, imagine what happens when you can't do that so well. Yeah. You know, we always say out there, even in the business world, never confuse the consumer. The confused consumer always says, no, I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't, so therefore, I don't trust you. I'm not going to buy it. Well, the confused canine brain either says the same thing. No, not doing that. Can't do that. Don't understand how to do that. But more often, as you age, it becomes fear. What I don't understand, I fear. Um, so what are some things that you can do if, you're, if your dog's olfactory sense is starting to become impaired? A couple of things. One, you can do food puzzles. Uh, the, the trick with that is finding the ones for your dog. Yeah, we can't find any puzzles for the rats because they're so tiny and everything's yeah. for a bigger dog. Yeah, they're made for dogs, not rats. That's the problem. <laughs> Therein lies the problem. They just don't think, hey, who's going to buy this thing for a rat? You know, again, for a tiny little five-pound morky. It is very difficult to find those. So you have to kind of make your own. Uh, walks with hidden treats or hide them in your yard. Make them look for them. Go searching. Hey, there's treats out there. They would love that. Yeah, yeah, you may have to lead them to one or two to start with because otherwise they're going, wait a minute, I'm just out here to go potty. I didn't realize there was food out here now. Yeah, Mother Nature has a way of saying if you don't use it, you lose it. So even at a young age, you need to exercise these things so that they kind of transfer into old age and that you are not starting from you know square one with these types of things. So even being preemptive with young dogs, it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Another uh, suggestion was to train your dog to track. Now, again, America, that takes a lot. Um, so if you're busy, we'll probably skip that one. But here's one that you can do. Take them to new areas and let them explore. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. That is one thing the rats absolutely love to do. Absolutely. Every time we go into the mountains or out into the wild, we yeah. just turn them loose and, and let them run, let them explore the world. Wow. It's got to be incredible for mm -hmm. them. However, make sure they'll come when called. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, you will be chasing them throughout the forest. And here we go, do you smell them anywhere? Do you smell them anywhere? <laughs> now, if, if they go potty, I will like be able to identify them positively. But unless they do, I may not find them. Is it Dave's breath that you say you can smell? <sighs> You oh. cannot. His breath is sweet, and I don't want to hear anything oh, about it. If you get downwind of that, uh, it, about a, I'd probably say half a mile to a solid mile away, you, you'll be able to find him. It's not true. Yeah, so that's one thing. Canine uh, cognitive dysfunction syndrome. Uh, when that happens, we start having brain impairments, even with humans, those can now segue into and dovetail right into what we call panic disorder. Uh, also, another condition that we deal a lot with dogs, generalized anxiety disorder. Again, this is akin to sand shifting underneath your feet. This can be the dog who is never afraid of thunderstorms, now panics with thunderstorms. Mm -hmm. Again, they grow into this. I've had people say, Brian, my dog was perfectly fine with storms until just the last couple of months. Well, what's happened? Then you look down the chart. Oh, your dog had a birthday. Your dog's now nine and a half, 10 years old. There we go. Uh, it, it happens. Then there's also changes in sleep cycles. Wow, that is a huge change. We're already seeing that a little bit around our household with another pet that we have. Yeah, with it, our cat. Yes, Ollie, it, he's 16, so he's really up there. But yes. Ooh, we've seen some big changes in him lately. Absolutely. And sleep cycles are disrupted. You see it in humans where all of a sudden they're up at 3 a.m. They used to never be up at 3 a.m. You could, If they were up at 3 a.m., you'd think they were a zombie. They're no, they were not alive. There's some sort of out-of-body experience. You'd never catch them up at 3 a.m. Now they are. Now they're wondering why you're still in bed. They are wide awake. They're pacing around the house. And now they want to sleep all day long. Their rhythm has been disrupted or they don't get into deeper layers of sleep because there are seven layers for most humans. Dogs are, we, we feel that it's equivalent to them and they may only get into stages three or four and therefore never achieve or, or reap the benefit of deep sleep where we have a lot of potentiation occurring, a lot of transcription in the brain, things of that sort. Hence why we always say sleep on it because it does work. You know, I was just thinking about um, Max, our um, Dutch Shepherd, when, when he got older. Remember, he used to go put himself in the corner. Yes. He'd put himself in timeout. He would stare at the corner. Yeah. It was the strangest thing. Yeah. And it's very sad. And this happens where you have one moment where you're very here. You're here and now. You're cognizant. You're aware of what's happening. And then other moments, they're lost. Mm -hmm. And when they do, they try to avoid. I mean, that's where you'll find a lot of these dogs in a corner like that or staring at a corner. Uh, look at Ollie, our cat. He meows outside of doors in empty rooms, not in the room in which there are humans. It, he doesn't just meow. He howls. Yeah, yeah, he does howl. It's, uh, it's definitely a little irritating. But anyway, I don't know how much longer we have to put up with that. But who knows? A he, long time. He'll probably outlive me. Okay, so what do we do? They, and I'm going to keep going down this list here. And it's just spontaneous because there's so many things that happen. But it's not all gloom and doom. Uh, I'm holding up a little book here. Those of you on the radio station uh, listening on the radio, you're not going to be able to see it. So I'll tell you what the title of the book is. The title is Neuroplasticity. And it is written by Moheb Konstanty. 
And Constance Dandy is a uh, member of the faculty at MIT. And it's a very, very good book written for the layman, believe it or not. Uh, you don't have to have big degrees in neurobiology and neuroscience to understand this book. But there's a section in the book that talks about the aging process in humans. And once again, why would we study the brain of a rodent if there, if the if continuity was not the default uh, in that studies with human brains? And he says, people live to long ages. He goes, and we call them the people who live past 90 super agers. And we have found that they have actually a thicker cortex in their brain regions and upon death compared to healthy controls of the same age, in other words, brains of younger people. And they say such differences are likely due to a combination of genetics, number one, environment, number two, and life experiences. For example, superagers have a lower frequency of gene variants that increase the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. And there's a growing evidence that certain activities and lifestyle choices, such as physical exercise, diet, and learning a second language or a musical instrument may also offer protection against Alzheimer's and cognitive dysfunction. Wow, there we go. Uh, many, a lot of studies are coming online nowadays, diving deep into this as we try to come up with a prevention. Well, here's a couple of things that you can do for yourself and also do for your dog. As you read there, number one, feed your brain. I cannot tell you how important that is. The brain, why do people think that the brain is something different than your heart, different than your arms, your legs? I don't understand. It's part of the nervous system. It's an organ just like anything else. If you don't feed it, it won't survive. It can't do its job. You must have a good diet, a balanced diet. You must eat little amounts of food throughout the day. Same thing goes for our dogs. They must have a great diet. Um, you must be able to feed them, but again, don't overfeed them. Improper nutrition, which may have to change as they get older, is going to change. In fact, a lot of dogs, as they get older, they become more finicky about eating. And some of those possible causes could include uh, digestive function or tooth pain. And you may want to check with your veterinarian and start taking your dogs into about six-month checkups versus one year. Keep an eye out for sudden changes. So when your dogs get older, should you, instead of feeding just one time a day or twice a day, should you feed them smaller meals multiple times throughout the day? Absolutely. That yes, absolutely. You, you want to do that. And sometimes you may have to wet the food down. Uh, teeth decay. Their gums become very sore. Neck pain, another thing that you should do when feeding, not just a good diet, not multiple times per day, but also have an elevated bowl. Bending the neck for all those years eating can cause them to have pain. And here's what happens when you have pain when you eat. You don't eliminate properly. Not only are you not feeding your brain, but all of a sudden, elimination can become painful. Constipation can set in. And that creates more pain as the stool hardens. And there's a lot of uh, mucilage and several other things that you can add to a dog's diet. For example, if you were to use mucilage and add it to your dog's diet, it only takes one quarter to a half a teaspoon mixed with your dog's food to soften the stool and, and give your dog a better chance at eliminating properly without pain. Also, incontinence can happen. Your dog uh, can suddenly start to urinate at times in which you're thinking, wait a minute. He's been housebroken for years, but here he goes. He's urinating all over our house. It might be a good time to introduce a fresh food. It's yes. easier for them to chew and swallow in their teeth. I mean, Dave doesn't even have any teeth left. So 
That's why he gets the fresh food. Yep. And they Soft, really like it. Softer foods. But again, it can't be junk food. It has to be good nutrients. It just <laughs> so does. Cap- Captain's probably like, can you pull my teeth, please? Yeah. I want I want the fresh food. Please. He's the only one in the house that isn't eating it. So yeah, I'm guessing he's not happy. <laughs> if your dog's starting to have problems with eliminating, you do need to have your dog checked out. Uh, they could have, again, pain in their neck, pain in uh, their hips. Uh, tooth decay, you name it, all this can add to it. But there's some things that you can do to help your aging dog. Earlier walks are are more opportunities to eliminate. Again, we get set in that rut. All right, I'm gonna let you out right right when I get up, right before I go to work, right when I get home, and that's it. Your dog may need more times to be able to eliminate. Uh, Diapers, they do make them for dogs. And I get it. Most of us guys are going, there's just no way. I'm sorry, dog. You're just going to have to pee because I'm not going to put you in a diaper. Uh, they have to be trained to do that. Most dogs will reach behind them and yank the darn thing off and say, wow, now I have something soft I can chew on. <laughs> but that being said, diapers do work. And also vets can prescribe a variety of medications that can be used to control urinary incontinence in dogs. Again, refer to your veterinarian. Uh, one thing that uh, was interesting in this little study is I learned a couple other things. Number one, studies have also shown that some elderly dogs fed a high-protein diet, which they did, they declared that as anything greater than 25% protein have elevated anxiety levels. There you go. So again, I guess it's akin to you having some sort of super energy food, just fueled, whether like an energy drink, you name it, and it makes you twitch and shake and you become... You just have all this energy and there's nothing I can do with it. And I, because I can't do anything, I have a frustration that that starts to build. Is that why there's, you know, the senior formulas and the high performance formulas? You know, I've always known the high performance to be, you know, higher protein and things like that. But I've always known the senior ones to be more, you know, the, the, uh, hip and joint supplements that are added into the food and all those different things. I want, I've never taken a look at it, but I wonder if it is lower protein. Yeah. Well, fewer we need to calories, check. I yeah. know, cause they yeah. don't move around as much. So. Right. Yeah. Definitely need to, to check that out because mm-hmm. again, this was determined. It's been studied. And when they do that, they study everything from resting blood pressure to glucocorticoid levels, you name it. Uh, so I'm going to watch out for that. I'm definitely going to keep that in mind because that's something I didn't know. Now this thing I did know, tryptophan. Tryptophan. A lot of people don't even think of it. They think of L-tryptophan when they eat turkey and they suddenly become sleepy. That's that's mostly because you ate a whole bunch of everything else, including the stuffing, uh, the mashed potatoes and everything else. And now, yeah, your parasympathetic system is in high gear and slowing you down. But tryptophan, numerous studies involving pigs and rats fed diets supplemented with tryptophan. And tryptophan, by the way, is a precursor to serotonin and an essential amino acid. And these studies report that those pigs and rats fed a diet supplemented with tryptophan reported better recovery from stressful situations. So think about that. You can purchase that over the counter. Uh, think about giving your dog the recommended dosage on the bottle for your dog's given weight of tryptophan. Definitely will help and also will help with humans. So therefore, you know, just those little suggestions there can help you to feed your dog's brain. Feed the dog's brain. And like Joshua mentioned, there's so many things to deal with joint pain because joint pain is coming. It is coming. Unless your do- dog dies a premature death, it will 
arrive on your doorstep. So you need to start a preventative in that direction. And then, of course, intervention once you if you did prevent it and all of a sudden you just noticed it. Uh, the number one thing that you can do by far, this is agreed across the board in science, is weight management. Getting your dog down to a healthy weight reduces strain on the joints, can also decrease joint inflammation caused by fat. Yeah. Bingo. Number I've, one. I've never, I've never read a study that have, has proven what I'm about to say or anything like that, but I've been told on a couple different occasions by different vets that during the developmental stages um, has a lot to do with later in life with dogs. If you have a young puppy that's developing that is overweight, they're more likely to have issues long-term when they're older. If you if they're growing with all of that extra weight, their their hips and joints don't uh, develop as well as they could have if they if they were at a proper weight. It only makes sense. Yeah. It's the same thing with humans. Uh, you feed your kids nothing but Oreos, double-stuffed Oreos all the time, and they develop fat cells. Mm -hmm. And because these fat cells are there, that it's easier to fill them up. It's a space that wants to be taken up in the body. Uh, so obese children have struggled with weight issues for the rest of their life. Um, so yeah, I would have to think that it, yeah. it mirrors that. I just know that there's a, a school of thought out there that, you know, you, you want to get the puppy all the nutrition as possible. And I, I do agree with that to a certain extent when it comes to young puppyhood. But um, again, just the overweightness we, we see, it's an epidemic, really. I mean, we see overweight dogs all the time. Mm -hmm. that, that people think that, oh, they're just spoiled and we're like, oh, no, but there's Killing really serious repercussions for, yeah. for this level of spoiling. Yeah, especially on a skeletal system that is built horizontal, right? Mm -hmm. Not vertical to be able to withstand that weight. The other thing is strengthening. Keep your dog in shape. Uh, keep your dog in shape. We were talking about that this morning. You asked a really good question, Kira. When you asked about stairs or do you need to let your dog up off the sofa? Oh, yeah. I was talking about the couch and it worries me. We have a swing that we sit in in the mornings and the, the rats always sit beside us and they want to jump off the swing. But it's pretty high. And I'm always worried now that they're getting older, that they're going to hurt their back or something like that. So I always try to put them down off the swing instead of letting them jump. And I didn't know if that was the right thing to do or not. Yeah. You know, some of this is going to be left up to your judgment. It, it really is. But the other consensus is... Don't overdo it. Don't overprotect them. When they're jumping up on that couch and they're jumping down from that couch and when they're walking up and down the stairs and when they're hopping into the back of the car, they're using muscles and muscles support that area. Just like people who work out, uh, they complain that their knees are sore, their knees hurt. But here's the problem. You didn't work the muscles above and below the knee because you, you don't like leg workouts. Leg workouts are painful. They are painful. <laughs> you know, when you go to the gym, everyone wants to be a beast until they do what beasts do. And leg workouts are the hardest thing to do. So no one does it. And then they complain that, wow, my knees are hurting. Yeah, I'm sorry. You got to work all those muscles above it and all those muscles below it to support the, the joint called the knee. Same thing with your dog. Exact same thing. You know, let it have exercise. Don't be so overprotective of your dog. Uh, yeah, they show obvious signs. They're, they attempt, they attempt, they attempt, they attempt. And finally on the eighth time, they jump up. That's both. Yeah, that, that can be uh, either <laughs> Sounds A. Sounds like you're speaking from experience. I, I do have a problem. Uh, I need a little help up. But you know, it's with her. You Ours just even wait. visual. Yeah. I think it's visual. Yeah, it's visuals. I think it's the hair going up uh, off of her snout there. And it kind of, she's going, wow, do I, I got to set the landing here. I've got to make sure I set it really good. Because if you even reach behind her fanny as though you're going to give her a boost, she's gone. 
that little rocket yeah. just took off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, so I know that, you know, as far as some of these dogs that have trouble getting up and down off of things, you know, you do want to help them if they seem to be genuinely struggling. And, you know, there is a fine line between not, you know, coaxing and babying the, the animal and then helping the animal when it's in, in need. Um, but one good way of exercising that's, that's um, you know, fairly safe and, and controlled is swimming. It, you know, it doesn't put a lot of, of issues on their hips and joints, but it gives them that muscle resistance and, and really good for, for that kind of stuff. And the fatter they are, the more they float. Right. So. <laughs> we could just put the rats in the kitchen sink and let right. them swim right there. All righty then, moving on. And so now we're just running down that little list of exercise because, again, feed your brain, keep your body fit. So many people overlook this known fact. The heart is a pump. And that thing pumps blood to every region of your body including your brain. So when the old ticker can't pump as effectively, all those nutrients that you're trying to take in that great diet, wow, it's a really great diet. You're doing a good job. You're obeying every rules. No snacking for you, no candy for you, no extra craft beer for you. Yeah, you're here. <laughs> hey, shut up. Anyway, I'm still young. I got time. I've got time. I'm working on New Year's resolution, all that sort of stuff. Okay. So anyway, you, you have all that great intake of nutrition, but you don't bother to work out. You don't bother to keep up your cardiovascular health. And that means that pump can't supply your brain with those nutrients that you're ingesting. And when that happens, we have a brain that is starving for energy. And again, when that happens, I can't function properly. So there's an old saying, stay fit. Studies have shown those people that are the most fit, again, suffer less from a lot of the same dementia that others will. So keep your dog fit. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. One, play with your dogs throughout their life. Play with them and encourage them to play with other animals. If they love playing with other dogs, let them play till they tell you they can't play. Always keep in mind, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Sometimes they won't tell you. You'll have to tell them. That's enough. You've been running 100 miles an hour for two hours, and now you won't be able to get off your dog bed for the next three days. So you may have to be that judge for them. Yeah, I, I knew a dog in my younger years that had was born with hip dysplasia and arthritis in its back legs. And... I mean, think, imagine having, it was a black lab puppy and this thing just wanted to run and play and run and play. And those were moments where you really had to decide like, okay, you know, you're done playing. That's, that's it. Or, or else it would run itself to death. But for the most part with older dogs, you don't have to worry about that. They will let you know when, when they're done playing. So, and I know, I know, and from personal experience, I had an older dog and I adopted a younger dog. And out of nowhere, all of a sudden, this life came back into my older dog when I brought that younger puppy in. And it was almost like we just knocked five years off of his life as far as age-wise. You know, he just lightened up all of a sudden, wanted to play more, and he was more spunky. So it can, it can really do a lot of good with that social, social support. 
Yeah, it's uh, in fact, that's uh, right here on my list. Uh, introduce a younger dog to your elderly dog, but be careful. That worked out in your case. It does not work out. And we hear about some it all dogs. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs that are suffering from pain and are very old will not have the physical or mental capability to endure physical interactions from young dogs. Be careful. Uh, however, younger dogs can stimulate older dogs to play and add years to their life. Yeah. Now, what's recommended, if you're going to do this, don't do it when your dog is super senior. Mm -hmm. Do it when your dog is just approaching right there on the verge of entering what we call the elderly time period or the aged dog. Typically, about eight years of age exactly. is, what they, yeah. is what they suggest. I did, it on, I did it right on accident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, of course, when I brought him in, yeah. you know, Kira's been every day going, well, Brian, seeing how you discovered yeah. that. And that's our research. <laughs> we need to get another rat. Right. Yes, we, we do. need to add to our household. So walking your dog is another thing that you can do, uh, not just playing with other dogs, but walking your dog. It provides mental stimulus. It pro provides predictive information. It's an outlet for frustration. So when those other stressors build up, I can let them out. The same thing happens if I play with another dog, whether it's one you introduce into your household or you take your dog somewhere else to play. Uh, the only thing that you want to do is, like everything, realize I do have an older dog. Keep an eye on the distance and the speed in which you walk. This is not a time to dra drag your 10-year-old dog and say, hey, my goal this year, my resolution is to be able to run a marathon and you're going to run it with me. No, common sense, guys. Watch out yeah. for weather, the, the temperatures, you, you name it. Keep an eye on your dog. You also may want to introduce anti-inflammatory painkillers uh, for your dog as well. A lot of dogs will go on Remedil, uh, which is in that group, just as a preventative, just as a preventative. Uh, I know with, um, with Max, we did that. We did, yes. And it brought so much life back into him. And another dog that I had when I was younger, a pug, I think I started giving him Remedil when he was about 13. And it was incredible, the difference. I yeah. felt so bad I hadn't given, given it to him When earlier. you remove pain, everything brightens up. Mm -hmm. Pain, that constant nagging pain. Injure yourself. Hurt your back, hurt your knees or whatever. And just the mental tasking me out. Oh, I have to think about everything I do. Otherwise, it won't hurt my back again. Oh, my gosh, I can't even breathe. This is horrible. I feel sorry for people who have permanent back damage. Yeah. You bet it will wear on you. It's like that two seconds of bliss the moment that a brain freeze goes away. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I've never felt better in my life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, this, I see that, though. I can see that. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, we used to feed the marine mammals, the dolphins, the sea lions, the fish was ice cold. Otherwise, you have to worry about salmonella and everything. And you'd just be, it'd be swallowing one mackerel after another. And you think, do you guys ever get a brain freeze? And you look at them and no, I didn't see any signs of a brain freeze whatsoever. All right. Another thing that you can do is if your dog's a working dog, let them keep doing their job until they can. Just make sure they can do so comfortably and without injuring themselves. These type of dogs, typically working dogs, high drive dogs, police dogs, military working dogs, herding dogs, hunting dogs, they love doing what they do so much, they will suffer in silence. So this can be tricky trying to determine, wow, was that too much or was that too little or is that just right? Guys, you really just got to take the whole thing into account. Did my dog sleep more? Mm -hmm. Is it not eating is it having a problem eliminating? 
you've got to read your dog. You, in other words, man, if you've ever paid attention to your dog, this is a time in which you have to start paying more attention to your dog. In my, my experience working with Malinois, you can see them go from limping pretty severely after an injury to you pull out a ball or, or initiate some sort of work and no longer they're limping. So you have to really take into account everything you see throughout the entire day, not just in the moment of working. Yeah. You know, and that's like with captain, uh, I'm, yeah. we're going to have to keep an eye on him. He's, he's five, so he's not old yet, but I tell you what, he'll chase a ball until he dies. Mm -hmm. He yeah. will die. Uh, definitely have to keep an eye on that trips in the car. If your dog enjoyed riding in the car when it was young, please continue doing so when they're older. Even dogs that are deaf, blind, and arthritic continue to enjoy outings in the car. Yeah, you know, a blind person knows when they're riding in a car. You know, a deaf person knows the same thing. Try to find those moments in life that they really, really enjoy. Because as they old, again, in summary, they will incur a natural vulnerability that will lead to anxiety, which will then mobilize the stress response, which then means we'll have harmful steroid uh, hormones raging through the body that attack the hippocampus and other areas of the brain. We will have joint pain. We will have neck pain. We will have tooth pain. We will have a dysfunction in our di digestive system. And we will while away the hours because no one wants to do anything with us because we're old. And they don't feed our brains and they don't feed any stimulus into our life. And we grow old rapidly and we die. It's been proven in human science. It's been proven in now in dog science. Guys, feed the brain. Okay. That means you feed it with information. And that's the last thing I want to talk about is training doesn't end with old dogs. You hear the saying, you can't teach an old dog tricks. Well, therefore, we don't. No, you do. Great time to introduce some new training. Problem solve. Okay, so here's a ball. I'm going to throw it in high grass. You can go find it. That doesn't just require your nose. It requires you to understand where have I been before already? So I don't keep running back and forth over that same piece of ground. They, they problem solve. Do these things with your dog. Take them to new environments. Take them around new people, new dogs, different stores, buildings, you name it. All of these require them to adjust. Remember, life is most form, fundamental form is nothing more than our attempt to adjust to any change in our conditions. And the brain is neuroplastic. It was designed to both respond to and adapt to the environment. So therefore, feed it, give it good nutrition, keep that ticker in shape to get those nutrients to my brain, stimulate that darn brain, teach your dog a second language or a musical instrument or the equivalent thereof. Do these things. I, I, and I am speaking from a personal standpoint here. I do so much research. I do a lot of it so that you can benefit from it. We all do on these radio shows. We do this for you. But you know what? I'm reaping the benefits of that. I'm, I'm, I'm honest. There are things that I can remember much better than I, I was a while ago. I can retain things uh, at a faster speed. My ability to pull it all together has become enhanced. So again, some of this stuff, trust me, it's like a second language. It really is. But I love it and I can feel what it's doing for me. Yeah. The Keep in mind with the word training, it's not the heel sit down and stay formal training that we always talk about, which is not, 
if it's not bad to do that. You can do the formal heel, sit down and stay. But anything that is that creates the dog to think, anything that makes the dog have to think, I mean, hiding chickens somewhere in your house and letting the dog go find it. I mean, that is something that we are putting under the umbrella category of training. It doesn't have to be your formal heel, sit down and stay. And that's very important to keep in mind with these older dogs. Oh yeah. Teach them tricks. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't taught them to roll over, now's a good time. Again, pay attention to their bodies, make sure that they can do it. Great time to introduce anything really new in their lives. But guys also think about don't that little puppy, you know, if you have a 15 year old dog, you might just want to be a little bit patient and wait and then bring that new puppy into your household because mm -hmm. it can be a incredibly high stressor to an older dog. Younger dog can add years to their lives. All right. I tell you what, well, that wraps it up. Of course, if you have any questions about aging, make sure you send those to us. We'll go over those questions and we'll either put them on the air or we'll contact you personally and make sure we answer them for you. You can send those to Brian with a Y at TamingTheWild.com. All right, it is question time. And I think hey. we've got some leftover from last week, so we might want to hit those first. Okay. So we have one from Carl, and he says, how would you deal with a dog who redirects aggression towards its handler? My dog has bitten me twice in the last week, and each time I was restraining her in the middle of a barking, lunging fit when we met a dog she doesn't like. Well... First of all, Carl, you're the wooden block. <laughs> I hate to say it. You're an outlet for frustration. And that's really and truly what's happening. Most of the time, we call it redirected aggression. Label it whatever you want to. Here's the causality behind it. You have an animal that's incredibly stressed at that moment, a reactive animal. And it's trying to use behaviors or coping mechanisms that have worked for it in the past. I mean, again, I'm walking the dog. It's lunging growling, just pitching an ever-loving fit. Well, these other people with their dog, they keep going. Maybe they live that way, but that's not the perception that your dog holds. No, I made that happen. I created that response from that approaching threat. And when we do something to stop them from using what they know works, just like you, if someone keeps coming into you, you're, you're doing some task and they say, stop. You say, no, it works. Trust me, it does. It works. It works. No, no, no. You're not going to do that anymore. Yes, I am. No, you're not. And then, you know, you're frustrated. Well, that's what happens. The animal becomes incredibly frustrated, fearful even. And I have to release that stress. In laboratories with rats that are given static shocks, they're giving them 30, 40 times per hour. Uh, they measure their stress response after a few days, resting blood pressure, you name it, and measure those levels. And then they place a wooden block in that cage, do the exact same thing, same number of shocks, same level. And they see these rats run over and sink their teeth in that wooden block. And after a few days of that, they measure again and find that everything is down at its baseline. Everything is low. You gave me a way to release this pent-up stress. Again, that's that walking stuff that we talked about, the exercises, so on and so forth. So that's what's going on. So here's what has to happen. You know, and, and, and I feel sorry for you, Carol, because here's why. Regardless of the specific concern, the more reactive the dog, the more difficult it is to intervene in the developing behaviors to stop or redirect a problem behavior and the easier it is to trigger the problem behavior. Those people who own reactive dogs, it's difficult. You don't have much time because there's basically three different emotional states for the animal, a calm zone, 
arousal zone, and a reactive zone. Well, these particular dogs spend most of their time, most of their living hours, and definitely most of the walk in that arousal column. They're already there. Their stress response is already mobilized. Their cognition is enhanced. Their eyes are dilated. Their hearts are beating more. They are ready to take on the whole wide world. That's where they're parked. They're not having a calm walk. They're already there expecting danger, ready to deal with danger. So, of course, when it appears, boom, that's it. Done. I'm already at the top of the arousal call. So it's only one tiny little step to hop in that reactive column. And when that happens, here's the problem. The higher you go up that arousal column, the more immune you are to any other input. You're on your own. You're the proverbial man drowning in a pool. And when you're drowning in a pool, you're not going to pay attention to anyone or anything but trying to get to the side of that pool. That's where they are. So training fails miserably. To solve this problem, Carol, you're going to have to address this outside of taking the dog for a walk first. You, anytime we have fearful aggression, you have to address the fear and the aggression. You need to address the fear. We need to get to the bottom. Why is this dog reactive? Why? Is it genetics? Is it genetics by G by E, which we call genetics by environment? We have to get to the root cause and medications may be involved, may not be involved. Simply could be a lifestyle change. Uh, and then once we solve that and we can trap the dog about midway through the arousal column, it can't go any higher than that. Then now we can introduce training. Now we can take the dogs around that because we have an animal who will not reach that panicky state, which is immune to any sort of training input. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind as far as how this redirection goes, I've, I've had a lot of people that have considered rehoming their dog because their dog is biting them. And this is not something that you can really take, you know, personally from your dog. This is a frustration outlet, not your dog is mad at you or turned around to specifically bite you. It doesn't matter whether it was you or the mailman behind the dog. The dog was going to bite whatever it was that was holding it back or, or tugging on it. That's a really good point uh, because that is, you, you can't help you think, okay, I listened to Brian. I've been feeding you really good food. I'm mm -hmm. taking time out of my day to take you for a walk. Uh, I've got you a real big plush bed at home <laughs> and you turn around and bite me. Yeah. Bite me. You, you bit the hand that feeds you literally. Mm -hmm. We do take it personally. So many people do. And of course, how do they react? They immediately lay into the dog, which then just, again, here we go. That calm zone. You can't even see it in the column anymore. They live their entire lives in that arousal column because you suddenly are very unpredictable. Remember, when I go that high, when I go so high up my column that I bite you, oh, I'm not even aware of you yelling, stop it, quit it, heal, sit down, stay. No, no I don't hear that. And all of a sudden, I'm being attacked by you. Wow, way to come out of that panic. You know, in other words, you, that's like swimming over to the side of the pool when you're drowning and you grab it and the darn thing is full of glass or nails or whatever. And it, and it just damages your hand. You just, you, what you thought was going to save you caused you pain. Well, it's like trying to try to cross the road like leapfrog and uh, or frogger or whatever it's called that game. Try to cross the road like that and see if you notice your phone ringing in your pocket as you're doing so. That signal doesn't <laughs> doesn't 
matter. It, you, the, the, you're, you're the the phone ringing in the back pocket. The dog doesn't care about you talking to it. And then when you increase the signal to where now your phone is punching you, you just thought a car hit you. Now I'm turning around to react. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the the equivalence. All right. Well, I hope you guys got that. Do they still have Frogger? That was my, oh, one of my I favorite games. I loved that game. Oh, that game's been around for decades, I grew man. up playing Frogger, so they at least oh. had it when I was a kid. Oh, I don't know how many quarters I fed into a machine to play Frogger. I'm telling you what. I Wow. Talk about nostalgia. Dang, I am old. I'm old. No, it's, you're a puppy. It's just glad I'm old. All right. Well, I hope that helps us. We got time for one more question. Let's jump on it, Kara. Okay. So Frank wants to, he wants to know about his puppy biting. He says, my puppy is biting and chewing his leash in frustration. What do I do? Ignore the biting or remove it from his mouth until he gives up? Oh, here we go. Okay. Are we dealing with another frustration issue here? Why, why does he think his puppy is frustrated? Why? Be, uh, gosh, with a puppy. And again, what is a puppy? I call a two-year-old dog a puppy. Um, wow, so many things. Well, I would have to say that, first of all, one thing that I see way too often is that when, if we are talking about a puppy puppy, let's say, let's talk about, you know, just for this conversation, um, 16 weeks or less. Um, puppy. Nine times out of 10, when you get that new puppy and you put a little bit of leash pressure, young puppies have a natural opposition reflex. They're going to pull back against any type of, of pressure that's being put on them. So you put a leash on them, you pull back. The dog flails its head back and you immediately go, oh, I think I'm hurting it. And you let go. That's imprinting 101. The dog just learned at a very young age that if I kind of pull my head back a little bit, then they let go of the leash and I don't get drug in. So now we have this habituation at a very young age that I just have to throw my head back, pull back a little bit. And if that doesn't work, then I'll start chewing on it and pulling on it. And then, then if the owner wasn't convinced that they were hurting the dog the first time, now they're very much convinced that they're hurting the dog because the dog is going through the extent of chewing and biting on the leash. So then they, then they give in again. So you ultimately in a very short amount of time with the young puppy, teach it to continuously increase the signal until whoever is pulling on the leash stops pulling on the leash. That sounds like a child what, doing the noodle. <laughs> yeah. Was it like the noodle yes. where you grab them and they flail themselves to the ground yeah, and, yeah. you know, it looks like something out of one of Shakespeare's plays and oh, the skies are falling. It's all doom. And I'm going to scream my head off. And yeah, you could say that was a frustrated child. I think that I would start to imprint the word out. Yeah. Drop it. Yeah. Leave it. Teach that. Teach it so often, so many times that, again, the goal of all training in most dogs, if they seek reliability in a response, is to get that learning from explicit learning land in the brain over to implicit learning land or what we call uh, procedural memory. Once it's in there, now it's a habit. Now it's a reflex. And again, we, we said on a couple of radio shows ago, we told Takani out, he's learning that. And Captain, he's over there spitting. There's nothing in his mouth at all. Not a single thing, just a reflex. He's going, I don't have anything. Why are you telling me to out? Uh, so that being said, you're right. Uh, if it's a young puppy, many times they don't understand that nothing in my natural world and the mechanisms that were passed down to me in my pre-programmed learning ever said that I would have to be tethered to another species mm -hmm. and go whatever direction they go when they want to go. This is called learning and it's called managing mistakes. You know, I make a mistake, 
what happens uh, that gives the dog the opportunity to learn, feed the brain. I would definitely take this young puppy and right off the bat, teach it a behavior that you know is going to come up more than just on the leash. They're going to grab everything, your socks, anything, TV remotes, all sorts of stuff. And it's a handy and can grow later, later. As I write about this in my book, The Hammer, Why Dogs Attack Us and How to Prevent It. This, can, this would have saved a few people's lives that I write about in that book had they known and taught their dog to reflexively release something upon a stereotype single, it would have saved their lives. Instead, they entered into combat with their dog over a high value item or food, and they died from it. And now if we're still talking about young puppies, one thing that you can do if your, your dog is food motivated is apply that same amount of pressure or just like that little tug, like, hey, come on this way, and then hold that treat out in front of the dog and release any level of pressure on that leash the moment the dog takes a step forward towards the treat and you eventually just wean out the treat um, through you know several repetitions till the dog learns that when I feel direction it will lead to something tasty mm -hmm. yeah so just for young puppies so yeah you're adding the component of go with me don't fight the tether right. go with the tether right. Uh, that's just a component of heal or whatever right. command that you want to use to walk again, imprinting. That's why we call it that. You've so got, important. Yeah. You have to remember these animals are born They They have pre-programmed learning. Heck, Conrad Lorenz pulled that, learned that a long time ago with the, uh, the theory of the hawk and goose in which they took ducklings and they flew a silhouette over their head one direction. And they flew the same silhouette, a reverse direction mounted about 12 feet over their heads. And these were two day old ducklings and goslings. And you got a completely 180 different response, uh, depending upon the direction that the silhouette was flown over their heads. And they did it at two days of age because their eyes had just opened. So there was no explicit learning at this point. This was pre-programmed learning already in them because when they flew it one direction, they opened their mouths and gawked. They thought it was a long neck goose. When they flew in the opposite direction, they cringed, ducked their heads and froze because why took on the image of a long-tailed hawk and that had not been learned. And again, as we put out in our, the last radio show about the developmental uh, stages during a puppy's life, remember those puppies who are raised with a cat don't recognize a dog at 14 weeks of age. Mm -hmm. This is so important. Imprinting is anything, is everything. We went over that last week, and I'm just going to go over every darn week yeah. if we get that opportunity to do so. Okay, one other thing, last little thing. We don't have time for another question, so I'm just going to bring up a little point. Every now and then on our show, we will have the what we call the save the dog, euthanize a human moment. We just are because... It's, it's amazing with all the education out there, all the information available to you. You just got to make, have the will to go dig it up. It's there. So when we stumble upon people who, what was this, Kira? It was a phone call with a girl who was interested in getting some information about housebreaking her dog. But then she follows that with, but I've already housebroken the dog. So it's really just about spite. I mean, he's peeing on my bed out of spite and I need to know how to correct that. And I said, well, lucky for you, they don't think that way. So it's not spite. And she says, oh, yes, it is to each his own. And I'm going to believe what I want to believe. And you can believe what you want to believe. And I know it's spite. And that's just the end of it. 
Just because you believe it's so doesn't make it so. Yeah. Perception can have real detrimental outcomes. Yeah. I mean, that like Conrad, yeah, uh, not Conrad Lorenz, but uh, Franz DeWall said in his book, Are We Smart Enough to Know How Smart Animals Are? Very eloquent point. We are so logic driven as humans, we cannot stand the absence of it. And therefore, when there's an absence, we're going to fill that hole and we're going to fill it with something that we believe a human would do. Just so you know, anyone out there wondering that, your dogs don't do anything out of spite. Okay, guys, it's time for us to go. We've got work to do here. We have dogs to train. I have more research to do to feed my brain. Uh, next time we get together, we're going to be talking about biological clocks. How does your dog know when it's time to eat? And yet it has never looked at a clock in its life. So if you got any questions about that, send them in to us. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join host Brian Bailey again for another edition of Taming the Wild and Your Dog next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Your dog's welfare and your life may depend on it. 